games begin? Quick story. Diablo Frank. Me and the girlfriend went to Universal Studios. Probably kind of a bad idea because we'd gone to Six Flags earlier in the year and had ridden real roller coasters. So it's kind of hard to like hop onto a Universal Studios roller coaster and be super impressed. There were a few good ones though. The Simpsons one was pretty cool. Uh, there, a lot of the Harry Potter stuff was good. But while we were there, I definitely, you know, we had to eat. We were, you're basically living off of the theme park. And so when I saw that they had a Universal Monsters Cafe, it's like, okay, well, we're definitely going to eat there at least once. Yeah, I was there uh, five years ago. You've got these different sections that are devoted to the, the various Universal Monsters monsters and they're running like clips from the movies i don't know if it's legit stuff from the the movies or if it's just like prop like memorabilia like fake memori- like re- probably reproductions yeah. yeah they get a lot of sun exposure yeah, and shit they've changed it since i've been there because i don't remember it set up that way i didn't have too much impression of it because it was just this little restaurant that just have a lot of pictures of the universal monsters of the movie yeah it was nothing i don't remember why i ordered i think i ordered like a burger and a fries i mean what's monster about that mm-hmm. i mean the calories maybe you know that's like oh my god it was nice seeing the pictures and everything but it's something that i can watch on the internet it was okay but it was pretty sad because it was very small um not impressive and they also had those paintings uh, by that artist you liked so much you, 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 yeah, yeah do you want to tell a little story you had too about the convention appearance you and i were at the convention and we walked up to his table well what's the guy's name again basil gogos just a real famous monster artist did all the famous monsters magazine covers did a bunch of movie posters from back in the day and uh we walk up and there's like no one at his table super nice guy he had some original art there it was really expensive but i really wish now looking back i would have bought it because he passed on just a few years later right no he's did he pass on gotta did i look <laughs> no shit he did yeah he died uh september 13th of 2017 so we found him like 2011 then yeah was that far back yeah I remember we walked up the table and Frajo said... I can't believe I didn't know he died. Really? Mr. Fix-It. I just remember you told me this is a travesty because if these people knew who he was, there'd be a line around the door. Yeah, if it was like... You know those monster cons and stuff? He's like your main guest, and it was just, he, he was, it sucked like who said it. We walked up to him, and we were sitting there talking. We talked to him for yeah. a good while. You what were, was almost disgraceful, though, was his wife. Right. Because she was, like, pimping him out, remember? Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll take a picture or anything. And she's like, Five dollars. Yeah, yeah. It was just, she wanted to charge for everything. Yeah. Was, and he was like, he just liked to be, you could tell he was just digging, hanging out with the fan. Because mm-hmm. you were there, and there was a couple other guys that walked up, and they were just, like, praising him, and... You know, you could see he was getting, like, he enjoyed that people enjoyed his art. But, yeah, his wife was just, like, putting price tags on everything. Well, then, yeah, we were, you know what? I was going to buy some of his more expensive stuff, but yeah. she was, like, cash only. Yeah. Cash no only. Car- Remember, and I, uh, I I gave you the last of my cash yeah, to buy that, the to, one picture. To buy the, and, the uh, sign. Print. I mean, the artwork was gorgeous. These must have been, like, old, just, like, sketches he had done. Basically, it looked like they were going through his sketchbook and just selling his sketches. <laughs> so, I don't know if he was hard up on times, but he was really cool. And I know Fryho was going nuts, like, he wanted to take a picture with him and we did didn't we i took a picture with you yeah yeah i got a picture with him yeah he was a really nice old guy so they had that guy's paintings all throughout that cafe i kind of flash back to that it's like you know yeah this is a horror con there'd be lines of this dude but there's nobody there it's just like basically being him here i'm at this theme park and they got stuff from sony's men in black and they got the blues brothers traveling around they got tons of harry potter stuff because that's where most of the action was harry potter this is universal studios man this was the house built on horror this is the universal monsters cafe and this is like the 
the only thing that indicates they ever even had any monsters in the first place. And I'm thinking, too, it's like, okay, this is still, they're trying to make this Dark Universe thing happen. They're trying to build up a whole new, like, shared universe of properties related to their monsters. This is their park, and they're doing fuck all to do anything about their monsters. Frustrated me. Please turn out the light. The time has come. Where are we? Look. Look and wonder. I shall awaken memories of terror and triumph, of love and crime and death. Your spirit that has wandered through so many forms and so many ages. Thou shalt rise again. Tom Cruise was actually supposed to be in a reboot of Van Helsing. And then when that didn't happen, he got moved over to The Mummy. That's why he was in that. Well, what did you think of The Mummy? I do not like Tom Cruise whatsoever. You like the vampireless thought too, though, right? Or Sorry, Interview with the Vampire? Pretty much started from that movie. I like the movie itself, of course. Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas. But it's just the Tom Cruise part. It always like turned me down in that movie. And I never realized that it was him. And now I cannot even watch that movie because it just annoys me so much. The premise of it, I guess it's okay. I liked Princess Amanette backstory and I, and I liked Sofia Boutella and I thought the visuals were really striking. Yes, but it was okay. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is a fantastic story. I think that the only thing that kept it from being a total blob, a total like disaster movie is like the backstories. I don't remember exactly how it ended or, or I just blocked it out of my mind. Probably I was already like half dosed out by the, by the time that it was the end of the movie. Well, I remember you were arguing with me that the Mummy movie should have been about the Mummy and then I pointed out that Tom Cruise becomes the Mummy at the end so it was kind of sort of all about the Mummy. He just didn't know until the end. Except he's not really a Mummy though because he's just got, he's been possessed by a god that doesn't make him a Mummy. To me, the Mummy is about Egyptian time before the Common Era. What was that with that character from the Blast from the Past? Oh, Brandon Fraser. Yeah. So, you know that movie, The Mummy? I like that story a lot because it was about this guy 
who um, created some pact with the death or something like that, and then uh, because he tried to control everything, the universe, and and then they kind of punish him and they enclose him in into this sarcophagus, and thousands of years later they open it up, and then you have like all this curse and everything. To me, that's how I imagine the mummy, you know. So so even if Tom Cruise becomes the mummy, then it's just like uh, actually he gets possessed. He is not the mummy. He just get possessed by by this spirit so it is not really the mummy itself so the from for me like a more interesting story was the other movie you're not a brendan fraser fan but you like him okay you you enjoyed him in some of his movies uh, you like rachel white and that was like her big like blockbuster debut like american audiences really started paying attention to her after the mummy and it's a movie that it didn't have it didn't come pre-sold people weren't in the market for a mummy movie they had to actually make a point of telling a good story so they had engaging characters and they got actors that you like and they, they did an entertaining story that melded like Indiana Jones with horror elements and they did something good where this other mummy they just assumed that people were going to see it because Tom Cruise was in it and because it was going to be a Marvel style shared universe without actually giving you any reason without to giving any story the mummy is actually a curse from the ancient gods of Egypt yeah but it's not really a curse that you have the power of life over death and you know you can call creatures at your whim and all this kind of stuff it's like he's blessed even though the guy's a douchebag with no personality but yeah and Fryhall was wondering why they went with the mummy and it's because of the money because they made three mummy movies in the last 15-20 years that did really well at the box office for the most part and caused the spin-offs besides so it makes sense that you would go with the mummy because he's sort of pre-sold well, but obviously that didn't work out so do you think that there's a market for another mummy movie and if they what would you do to make the mummy work since they've, they've well, screwed it up so badly here's the thing uh, to me besides the money thing about making the mummy movie okay so you don't want to have another Dracula story Story because Dracula is like the Spider-Man. They just keep remaking it and making it and remaking it. I mean, how many fucking Spider-Mans we have so far? They were kind of pretty sick of vampires at this, and then it was a, the whole Twilight crap. You can actually do like a Monster of Frankenstein movie, and it will be okay. But I, I think your more secure bet is going with the Mummy because it has such a rich story. Well, and you're allowed to have variations with the Mummy. Frankenstein, everybody kind of knows that story. People know the story of Dracula. So if you play with it too much. It feels wrong, but because we're all so familiar with those stories, you don't really need to see another presentation of it. So if you're going to do Frankenstein or Dracula, you really need to do like Spider-Man Homecoming, where you just toss all the origin stuff out and just start, you know, we already know who these guys are. Just start telling a new story with them. But with The Mummy, you can actually come up with a whole new story well, about why The Mummy is, because The Mummy story isn't as set in stone as the other Because ones. The Mummy is not scary. I mean, it can be scary, but we are in an era right now where all the universal monsters, they're not scary anymore. Because we are so saturated by them that it's not scary but instead of you give them like a more a rich story it's like for example the Sinister movie with the demon in there although they didn't give too much history on it but at least you make it more like mythological more like oh my god this is guy is bad but it also if you actually put in more history of why he became the mummy and why he's doing what he's doing is he angry is he sad upset lost or whatever then I will feel more engaged with the character and not just like, okay, well, this is the mummy. He's the bad guy. He's the hero. He's trying to fight the mummy and then they're just going to end up the mummy will have been dead and that's it. Well, that has been done for like, you know, like decades. Yeah, well, it's, you, you mentioned Sinister. Bagul isn't a particularly developed monster, but determining what the lore is because the movie is a mystery about what Bagul is and what the motivations are and how it operates. You could do something like that with a mummy where you're, 
were coming at it sideways. My thing, too, with the mummies are that since those movies are still relatively recent, you know, they're less than 20 years old, although not by very much longer, you could actually still get those actors. You could still get Frazier and Weiss and, and all these other people that appear in these movies. You could have them come back and do some cameo type things and kind of tell a mummy story instead of telling a story about the dark universe featuring those actors in modern times either they're descendants or they're just like kind of cameos and, and take advantage of that but especially you can take advantage of a franchise Viagra the Rock who starred in the Scorpion King and was part of the Mummy Returns I didn't realize they've made five Scorpion King movies <laughs> there are more Scorpion King movies than Mummy movies at this point so if you're going to try to, to turn the Mummy into a modern day adventure franchise bring the Rock back in, in a modern context and do something with him but it'd also be nice to have some of these other actors since they're still around they're still active in your mind a good mommy movie will be like action scary funny I, or... I think a mix because I think when we you, we, you and I watched the, the 99 mummy uh, ahead of watching the Tom Cruise one and we both still enjoyed it and what I was pleased by in re-watching it was that it did have moments of horror to it it did have adventure it did have romance it did have comedy it, it gave you the whole packet it wasn't any one thing I don't think in this point in time you can actually make a mummy movie being scary you know like in the 50s or 40s that's not scary anymore Igor you and I shall be at the very heart of a scientific enterprise that will change the world we shall create a life out of death it's alive do you realize how significant this is oh I have an inkling given life 200 years ago I am like none other I know who you are I'm a monster you're only a monster if you behave like one there's a war humans don't know about going on for centuries I mean the end of all mankind <sighs> this goes to Something that I, I was thinking, my idea for a new take on the Frankenstein's monster story. Count Dracula. I was thinking about this, and something that I would do a little bit different is this creates an evolution for the universal version because the universal version of Frankenstein's monster is kind of just a dumb brute. He's kind of a mindless, limited vocabulary um, thing, and I think. I would lean a little bit more towards the source material and actually give him some intelligence. And what I would do with a, uh, a Frankenstein story is basically the monster, because of his deformity, essentially because of his physical nature, he can't really blend in with daylight society, but he's not unintelligent. So he kind of becomes an underworld figure and he could even, you know, become like a kind of crime boss or, or have something along those lines kind of like this figure of power through his cunning and his borrowed intellect and his physicality. He's kind of like a, a smart Solomon Grundy or the original version of Killer Croc. But part of the chief difference is he keeps Victor Frankenstein and he basically holds Victor hostage by basically threatening his family. He's like, if you ever try to run away or if you ever destroy me, I'm going to kill everybody that you know and love. Because that was basically what happened in the book is he started targeting one by one, picking off all of Victor's family members. He basically, he threatens to do that because he needs Victor. He needs his help because the monster, and I just, I, I decided to call him Adam because it's a kind of like Prometheus. It's a, it's a created person thing. This Adam Frankenstein 
Frankenstein character wants a family. He wants a wife. So we get the bride of Frankenstein created that way. Basically, he just bullies and extorts Victor into creating a wife for him. And then once she's created, now you have these two monsters in a loveless marriage. So then you get this family drama and this kind of soap operatic thing between the monster and his bride actually hating each other, resenting each other. For for the monster, that can never be enough. He wants more. So he wants to create a son of Frankenstein. He wants to create these children, all these offspring in his search kind of for perfection. He can never, he kind of resents humanity, but he also longs to have that part of him, to have that perfect sense. He needs the doctor to do that. So the doctor is kind of trapped in the thing. So maybe part of the plot becomes the doctor starting to conspire against him. Maybe, and if we're doing a shared universe, then maybe we pit Dracula against the monster. They become rivals. Maybe the Dracula comes to the new world, you know, fighting over the same turf in a weird kind of gang warfare type of thing. Maybe they think the blood of Dracula, the blood of the vampire, might be some kind of X factor that can create the perfect kind of humanoid golem that the Frankenstein is looking for. Um, maybe he thinks that will be the one thing that can kill the monster. I don't know. That was just like something that I thought of like taking Frankenstein a different way would be to have him still with that kind of ultra need to better himself, to improve himself and to keep creating more of himself in that image of man, but needing the doctor to do that. And therefore kind of holding him hostage. So uh, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, that's a theme that goes back to the book with the character. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the, the the main image from the book that is uh, in my mind from when I read it, when I was a kid, I read, like a young reader's version of it that was still surprisingly graphic and it also had the power record that adapted the Marvel comic but there's this one scene where the monster wants a bride he's lonely he, there's no one else for for himself so he forces uh, Victor Frankenstein to build him a woman and so he's in the process of doing this he's, he's working in a, like a cabin I think and he's got basically this bucket of parts that he's working off of and as he's working he imagines what happens if he creates this woman and they procreate and you end up with this race of inhuman creatures that he mm-hmm. that would spawn from the bride and at the same time he can feel the presence of the monster looking through a window at him watching him work not making himself announced but just he can feel the eyes on him and so he picks up this bucket of parts and just tosses out the window and declares that he's never going to do this for, for and that's when the real war starts between Frankenstein mm-hmm. and his monster and obviously that was a theme that was picked up with Bride of Frankenstein it's a strand right. from the book that they turned into a movie I do think that you definitely want to play with the bride I can almost see where you could go directly into it I kind of hope that something that maybe Bill Condon was going to do is basically conjoin Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein since you have that thread that was already in the original book anyway and basically just tell both stories at once to set up both the characters. The one thing that kind of gets me is I'm not I can definitely see putting Frankenstein in a modern context but there's a part of me the traditionalist in me that kind of wants to see Frankenstein set in the olden times and he's mm-hmm. sort of like your Captain America basically. He's the guy who's <laughs> unmoored from time. I think most of the monsters could be unmoored from time where they have this history, this long history and and that comes into play in the modern stories, but you can go back and tell stories, these period pieces from when they came about. I feel like Frankenstein, especially since it's Universal's Frankenstein, it has to resemble the Karloff version. You have to have green tinged skin. You have to have the flat top. You have to have the bolts. You have to have the stitches. You have to have the great black fingernails and a similar to that suit. Because again, one of the things that bothered me about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein when it came out is they did have the more intelligent Frankenstein. A lot of people that are book readers want to see that more intelligent version, but the audience that has a familiarity with Frankenstein 
line that have an affection for that character usually have an affection for Karloff's version, Proto Hulk, basically. This mm-hmm. sort of sweet creature that doesn't understand its own power, that uh, gets uh, into some bad situations because of his own misunderstandings, but also because of people's reaction to him. And I do think that if you're going to try to make the Universal Monsters work today, you have to play up the misfit quality. That these aren't our heroes, these aren't us with feet of clay that we just happen to be bestowed powers. These are people that are intentionally excluded. These are separate from the rest of us. That even the most liberal of us would probably have trouble with these people because of where they came from, how they've come to exist, the things they've done as part of their existence. And again, as you mentioned with a character like Frankenstein, he can't exist in a normal society, so he's probably going to have to done some pretty horrific things to survive, potentially being a gang lord. Uh, I'm actually picturing Tombstone from the Spider-Man comic books. Who? Yes, you know, there you go. I don't know that I would necessarily want to see him come up from that like as his origin story, but I can see that being a place where he goes to, basically marrying our two notions where yes, he was back, uh, he's, a, he's a period character, but now in a modern context, the only way he can survive is by being, you know, Johnny Badass, uh, Victor, <laughs> Victor Gang Lord, you know, whatever the hell. Uh, and I actually, I vaguely remember, I think Mark Hempel actually did like a gangster version of Frankenstein as a comic book uh, where he had the Tommy gun and a, a fedora and everything else. And I, I it had a, like a punny name, but I cannot remember what it was called now. But yeah, I could definitely see that working. And I definitely think you're onto something by having a version of Victor Frankenstein, whether it's the original version or descendant or what have you. But I think that scientist work, makes more sense as your Nick Fury, this guy that's going to pop up from movie to movie as an experimenter, as an explorer of these these monstrosities in the, in our world. I, that makes sense to me. And that he's the guy who seems like a utilitary player. That's the kind of character mm-hmm. you have as Night Nurse in in the uh, <laughs> Netflix Marvel series. You know, so yeah, I definitely see that working. And that's yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure that you you've got to completely throw out the mummy, but I think you need to kind of play with the context. Like the idea of Prodigium, it, it's a terrible name. Of what? Prodigium. That's the company that Doctor Jekyll worked for. The the, Was the, it really? the the secret yeah the secret Trust organization. Me, it is. If yeah. Frank told you, it is. He's he's researched it. He's got it. I'm charted. not questioning him. I didn't remember. Yeah, it's nobody does because it's a terrible name. But obviously they're set up to be the shield. They've got like the arm of the creature from the Black Lagoon, and they've got all this other kind of shit. And they're set up as being like this group that's trying to defend the world against the monsters. And that's Shield. And there's already you know Monarch over in the the MonsterVerse is yeah. already doing Shield. Everybody's trying to do a Shield type thing. Um, so if you gotta blow that up because you don't have horror if you have a, a secret government oh. organization oh, no, no, that's no, no, saving me. everybody. But if that organization is actually working toward evil, well, like no, Dr. Jekyll. Well, no. no, me and Fryhood already talked about this. Where Jekyll was actually hunting them down. Remember we were talking about? I was talking. I said that's what I wanted to see was Jekyll hunting down monsters to cage them, like almost like the collector type mentality where he's like, "This is a prize. Like I want to own everything." That id personality where I need it, it's me, 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 and I need to be the top of the food chain. And because they're loose, I'm not the top of the food chain. And I wanted. That's why when I saw that hand, I remember telling him that was. That's what I thought they were gonna go with it, where they were gonna show like cages with like wolfmen and shit like that imprisoned, and he was actually keeping them as a prize. Yeah. That's what I thought they were gonna go with. That's what I want to see. Makes so, him even more evil because yeah. he's like you know not only is he a monster, but he's a monster who has to be the king of the monsters, yeah. and he has to own the monsters. It's kind of like a movie I thought out one time. If I was making a movie, I don't know who I was talking to about it, but I always thought it'd be cool to have like these really like we were talking about like R-rated Universal monsters have these just really violent fucking monsters being killed off one at a time and toward the end it turns out that it's a human serial killer who just they did something like that with Nightbreed well he was a serial killer and then once he ran up against the Nightbreed he got wiped out no but I think in he the continual in, in he the wasn't con- picking off Nightbreed in the continual comics I think he was going around there was a character in there that was killing Nightbreed if I remember correctly the dude with the butt eyes I think so yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you right now that Clive yeah. Barker didn't have that idea I yeah. 
Uh, I did pipe worker. <laughs> Kevin, that's kind of like Kevin in the Woods, though, where he, that could be that yeah. type of organization where they're See, actually... See, this is what scares me is there's someone has already done all these ideas in other movies. What do you come up fresh for Universal that no, someone hasn't already done somewhere well, else? Let's be honest. Dude, I truly think there's people who love monsters that work there, but they didn't come up with the whole concept because they love monsters. All goes back to, I want to be rich. Yeah. And I want what they have. And we have, they overestimated and it just, they got greedy. But let's say Dr. Jekyll is running an organization like the one from Captain in the Woods, where they're, they're basically yeah. collecting all the monsters for some purpose. They were sacrificing to a dark god, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's say maybe Jekyll got exposed to, like, this? what are we talking about? You never see Captain in the Woods? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember I how they had movie. the big organization? that Sigourney Weaver was working for yeah. and shit? Yeah. They were doing that because they had to appease like a fear god or something, right? Yeah. So what if Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, what if they're working for like Cthulhu or some shit? Maybe they're gathering the monsters for like a genocidal event. You know, they're, they're actually collecting the monsters in order to kill people. Maybe they're trying to change the environment. Maybe they're afraid the environment's uh, going to be hostile. So they're unleashing the monsters to kill all the humans. So they I hate this, the, you asshole. Environment. I wrote a short story like that where, remember, I think I told you one time, okay, monsters were just aliens playing with our DNA to create monsters to wipe out humans but humans were populating too fast and that was that was my 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 main theme through the whole little story, short story I wrote and I think I told you that long I, that's like the first time I sat there and like wrote a real short story it felt really weird writing it the what? what? asshole <laughs> but, but yeah, I already written that damn it that's a prodigium, movie too. that's a Stephen King movie <laughs> fuck you guy keeps writing things before I do uh, Prodigium can't be a good guy organization because if you have a big good guy organization that's not scary so you gotta do something that's scary back to but the mummy Everybody was a good guy. But yeah, like, then you're creating on. Spectre. We've already seen... Well, no, but but it's still a situation where you've got... People are scared of the government. People are scared of, like, X-Files type bullshit. You know... Uh, That's uh, it. Yeah. Trump should be a universal monster. <laughs> right, right. So you make, you make them something to fear. You make them something scary, and so you have nowhere to turn. I don't think you can have, like, an organized resistance against these monsters. If you're going to have heroes at all, you've got to have underdogs. you got to have guys like a Carl Kohlshack or something. you got to... Apparently, our universal has rights to, like, the Incredible Shrinking Man. Well, that's another dog. He's a little tiny guy. Uh, they got Dark Man. They own the rights to Dark Man. Tiny little uh, hands. Who's wait a minute? Wait a minute. So, are you now saying floats. that Dark Man would be the hero fighting fighting the Universal monsters to defend mankind? Yeah, I knew this. Was, it was going to go in that direction. I, when he brought up Dark Man to me earlier this week, I was like, Dark Man's somehow going to be too yeah. brought into but see, this. But when you think about it, Dark Man, doesn't have that as protector of a power. He's he's stronger than most people. He's smart. He he can do the whole face changing thing. But otherwise, he's just a dude. I always saw him. As like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he definitely drove, drew from the Universal Monsters. So it's a situation where a character who's inspired by them is actually kind of combating them to some degree. But I don't think the movie should actually be about the heroes. I think it's probably more about the monsters. But I think that they have to be monsters. They should be sympathetic, like what you talked about. You should be able to plug into them. You know, like the Hulk. Again, he does heroic stuff. He does help to fend off alien invasions and stuff. But he's also extremely destructive and and dangerous. And there is, you know, even his friends don't know whether or not they want him around because he's just not safe. In the comics, he got exiled to Sekar by Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man because they recognized that they couldn't deal with him anymore. So if the Universal Monsters are more like the Hulk and less like Captain America, I think you can make that work where they're sympathetic, where they can be directed to fight against an organization like Prodigium that's looking at global extinction. They're still monsters. They still kill individuals. They still do bad stuff. But you can still root for them under the right circumstances, just the same way you do with Deadpool. He's not a good guy. He's a fucking mercenary assassin for hire. But when he's fighting guys who are even worse than him he's heroic by uh, a contrast so and you can do that and you can do it with a PG-13 and still sell the shit to the kids and still have your happy meals but do it a little darker 
and do it in a but way. Do you really where, want it at thirteen, PG thirteen? Yeah, because the thing is, you have to give kids an outlet. Kids need yeah. monsters. Kids need I, to be able to project their uh, negative it's stuff. That you want it's that you realize it has to be. Well, is but, is because, it that you want it at PG thirteen, or do you realize? Well, I mean, I would, I could no definitely fucking way they'll pull off a rated R. That's not their goal. I would love it if they would get like hardcore badass directors like Feed Alvarez or that chick that did the uh, uh, Babadook or people that are doing like you know Jordan Peele guys who are doing like real legit horror shit uh, I'd love it if they could do them and do an R-rated universe because another thing that's been floated is that uh, they might give the Universal Monsters the Bloomhouse the guys who've been doing uh, uh, a lot of these you know pretty solid horror movies over the last few years and let them do like you said R-rated or maybe hard PG-13 rated but more horror skewing type stuff because I do think you need to serve a different audience than Marvel but they're still trying to use the Marvel model and they still want to make some of that Marvel money and I don't think you make anything like Marvel money with hard R stuff Deadpool's an exception because he's such a charismatic character people really gravitate towards that but I'm not sure you could replicate that across the line I don't know if you're going to see cable t-shirts and domino t-shirts you are are absolutely going to see that you think so? oh absolutely dude dude we were at the con how many cables did you see? I saw two yeah I've never seen a cable at a fucking con before right but a lot of that's interesting we've seen the Halle Berry Catwoman at cons before too that doesn't mean that but Deadpool merchandising they're fucking pumping the shit out of that stuff they're gonna touch that cable stuff now it's it's not gonna be you know cable's not gonna be the Merc with a mouth type shit Mm -hmm. but I really do believe they're gonna pump out the merchandise dude that's 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 money you're throwing away because not everyone's gonna want to wear a Deadpool t-shirt but you have a great cable t-shirt Domino come on dude that's their Wonder Woman that's their Wonder Woman dollar right there strong female character she's the Black Widow yeah but it's a strong female character just more physical the black that's their strong female character I think they've done smart enough now where they realize we can't just play this one character if he has a supporting cast we gotta put them all on stuff because people if they don't gravitate to the main character they're gonna gravitate to someone in the movie like I saw a t-shirt of uh, what was her name the the blind character in in, uh, Deadpool oh uh, Blind Alice yeah Blind Alice someone had a Blind Alice t-shirt dude I had never seen before and it's her walking and says I miss cocaine or some shit I was like dude that's fucking awesome I'd never seen it I was like I almost wanted to ask the guy like where did you buy that t-shirt because that's just like because it took me a minute to realize what it was from. I was like, what is that from? And then I realized like, it's Blind Alice from fucking Deadpool. Dude, come on. That might be a niche t-shirt, but still, you know, it was, I thought it was cool. My life. My job. My curse is to vanquish evil. His name is Van Helsing. Some say you're a holy man. Others say you're a murderer. Which is it? It's a bit of both. He has come to a forbidden land to battle enemies that are legend. Oh my god. This summer, evil has one name to fear. Hugh Jackman is... Sing. 
something I've talked about with the guys too is that I've, I've been pushing a more PG-13, more all audiences inclusive type of movie that just happens to have the Universal Monsters in it. And what none of us talked about in all those conversations was that they'd already done that in 2004 with Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. And you and I watched that movie. What did you think of Van Helsing? Uh, so <laughs> it, it was everything that they, it's like they'd already screwed up in all the same ways they did with the Tom Cruise mummy movie with Van Helsing. So you've got an unengaging lead character who's who's something of a name, but there's not much to him. You've got the female co-lead. They don't develop the relationship. They're supposed to be romantic, but you never feel it. There's just constant, constant action. It's just a barrage of action. And they're constantly playing that up-tempo guitar music and stuff, trying to get you, get excited, get excited, constantly throwing CGI stuff at you. And because they're so busy overwhelming your senses with stuff, but they never drill down into it, there's nothing there. And it's like you and I went and saw Roma, the um, uh, Alfonso Cuaron movie, and that's a movie where almost nothing happened, and you have these long periods of just like silent or just like small conversations about small talk. But because it's so immersive, and you become part of this time period and these people's lives, when these things do happen, it's impactful. Well, and, and even and if Van Helsing was like the opposite. There's constantly stuff happening, and none of it ever matters to you. So, how many times can you throw at somebody and they don't get hurt? That's one of the things that I keep getting. I know it over and over again. It's just like, it seems that they have like those uh, cables. Oh, we got to use the cables again. Let's throw this person from this place to that place. And nothing happened to them. And over and over, I, I, I think that was the recurring team. And yeah, I mean, you have... Or, or they're constantly falling from high heights and landing hard or getting thrown through walls. And, and they're the cartoon characters and, and nothing doesn't impact them yeah, at all. Yeah, nothing happens. And then, I mean, they try to put like all these different monsters, but they didn't give me anything once again. Again, they assume that we know about the monsters. Fine, we know about them. But I didn't feel close to any of the characters for that movie. Like, they mention about Frankenstein. And yeah, they want to give him a little bit of, like, friends, I'm alone, I don't know what it, what am I. But it didn't give me anything. I didn't feel absolutely nothing for this, like, green, you know... Uh, yeah, but they liked it. Yeah, with the, the electrical the design, green The designs thing. were really oh, bad, Oh, and the CGI too, right? was pretty bad. Yeah. Like, the, the sign for each, for example, the... The fucking Dracula character. You trying very hard to make it look like Antonio Banderas in the interview with the vampire. Even the hair and how he moved. He wasn't even sexy. He wasn't even nothing. And then the whole wife stings is just like... The okay, acting the, in that movie was uh, terrible. The main character, to the entire movie, they got these hints about his backstory. What is his backstory? Like, well, rem- you, you forgot rem- that him and Dracula ended up being brothers. Well, it's not that I like, forgot. At that time, I was pretty much like, pff, I pass out during the movie like three or four times. I fell asleep a few times Because too. the problem is that two or three minutes of dialogue, they're like this 10, 15 minutes of action, throwing people from one thing to another. And then, you know, this ridiculous uh, James Bond assistant making weapons. And, and then you go it's like... It's so annoying too. It was no cue. He would... It was annoying. The sidekick was extremely annoying. And then the whole thing about at the beginning of the movie is like, whoa, this will light a thousand suns or like the power of the sun I don't know what it does or like so you said that you read about a lot about vampires because you're giving steaks and garlic and all that and you don't realize because that's kind of like the most common topic about vampires that they actually cannot withstand the sun then you created the sun that oh I don't know what it does so it's like and then why you wasted with this other like why you don't just put it well they killed a whole ton of vampires that only exist for a couple of minutes to get blown up because they're, they're like it's mostly Dracula and his wives
waves, and they introduced like dozens of additional vampires, and they all got blown up five minutes later by that bomb, so they were not no longer an issue anymore. I'd imagine they didn't know that sunlight works that way because vampires are constantly running around in daylight in this movie, which makes no damn sense. No, they're not. When the sun goes oh, in the, away. In the clouds, okay. In well, the clouds, yeah. I think every speaking actor in that movie was wearing a wig, and it was noticeable. So yeah, I didn't feel close to the main girl. You know, I am a big girl character power, or she's badass, but in this one, it just didn't felt nothing. I was interested the first time they mentioned the backstory about, oh yeah, you know, there's like the family for generations and generations trying to fight Dracula and they cannot die before Dracula because if they do no, nobody will go to heaven and then they told like the story a little bit so I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty cool you know, but it didn't go to nothing yeah, it, well, it just did into the finale of the movie but by then you didn't give a shit. Exactly and the brother, he pretty much ended up being a werewolf. Well, and he, a- got, he got killed by Van Helsing, but then Van Helsing gets slashed by the brother before he dies, and so Van Helsing's going to become a werewolf, and it turns out he has become a werewolf because the only thing they can kill Dracula is a werewolf, and it's also his brother, and don't forget the part where they have to use Frankenstein to conduct electricity into alien pods, like from the Aliens movies, but those pods feature the undead bat babies of Dracula and his bride, and they'll they'll be born, but then they'll die and they'll explode into slime, but the only way they'll be able to survive is if Frankenstein is the conduit of the energy. He's like, and oh, by the way, you didn't have to watch I, I watched the cartoon there's actually a 30 minute cartoon there was a prequel to the movie with the Jekyll and Hyde characters and apparently Dr. Jekyll had been in love with Queen Victoria and so he was turning into Hyde to murder women so that he could steal their souls to give to Queen Victoria to turn her into a young woman with no memory so that he could have the, the, the love of his life back one night at a time one murder at a time why is this stuff so stupid and complicated but especially stupid like none of these ideas ideas are good these are terrible ideas and they're overwrought besides oh my god oh, and it was but uh, I, I do want to say though i've never liked kate beckinsale i'm just not into her i don't find her work particularly interesting this is the only movie i liked her in and i liked her mostly because of her pants and because of her corset and because she just had the guts to go full blast with the ridiculous transylvanian accent but yeah not not an heroes character yeah but not something that i will find uh, no. interesting well you're not going to care how tight kate beckinsale's pants are well exactly that's, that's so it's like to me like uh here is a strong woman that has been fighting for almost all her life to bring down Dracula with the brother and the guy end up saving the day you know fucking saving the day again so once again the guy the main guy is the hero and she just get like cast off to the side uh, she dies at the end but not before the kiss when how in the world they got in love when they never show any emotions whatsoever into the entire fucking movie and then it's just like oh yeah because that's in the script and that's kind of like the formula that you're supposed to follow so they fall in love they kiss oh, and then she dies uh, okay fine but the, the it's just like check the, out and we don't have a romance but but the only reason why she's there is just to be cast aside and this guy to be the hero and she dies at the end because they gotta have a woman in the refrigerator in every one of these type of movies yeah yeah so it was a very very bad movie I mean I like like I said the CGI was horrible like seriously when Dracula is walking like on the walls you can actually feel the cable and him trying very hard to like walk normal it's like no dude I mean come on this is the 21st century you can actually film it backwards and then you like flip the screen I mean come on are you amateurs in this cinema you know sim- cin- cinematography actually I got more amused throughout the movie on how bad the CGI so that was like how I kept entertaining my- myself I was like okay well that's stupid well they shouldn't done this but yeah it was a oh and the sidekick like I say it was really annoying all the actors just were screaming their lines at you like 
if they yelled it loud enough, it'll resonate. And, and, but, but terrible acting in this movie. But, now, now what? Now, in your opinion, what movie do you start out with? Then? Well, I'm not sure you start with the movie. Why did the X Men come out in the year 2000? Because the fucking cartoon built an audience for the oh, X Men yeah, live action movie. Uh, they, they, you know, Iron Man had cartoons back in the 90s before they did the Iron Man uh, uh, movie. You, you build it somewhere. You make cartoons. You make books for like children's books, like Golden Books and shit. You get them in early and you start building the audience that way. Where's the cartoons? Well, they could. Where, where's the, the, the multimedia? Where's the video games? And you can't say cartoons don't work because let's take a simple. We haven't even thought of what if they partnered up with Netflix? Yeah. Look at Castlevania. Oh, yeah. Castlevania is an old freaking video game. I understand there's been many reincarnations of it, even up. Oh, no, that animated one on Earth is freaking great. That is strictly horror. Yeah. It did extremely it's well. Good. It's good. It's good. I liked it. Are you seriously telling? I mean, if if Universal, Universal wouldn't even, that, that's where it comes down to, again, their, their decision making. You get with Netflix on that, they'll probably pay for most of the damn thing because they know that they're going to get more ratings, you know? And, and Well, and Universal co owns NBC uh, just, or they're merged it, with NBC it, so you've got that as an option you've got Hulu yeah. as an option for them I mean there, there's so many ways that they could have marketed without just going balls deep on just the movie and yeah. that's it imagine you know? taking that 250 million dollars breaking it up into 50 million dollar chunks and doing some great TV series a great cartoon a badass video game and, yeah, and multi-vector it yeah. you know build that brand yeah. I think that's well, real dude, important and if you look at if you look at Star Wars now, now granted the, the original trilogy you know it's it's like godlike when, when well, it's, talk it's about the holy trinity. It. But what I, what I thought gave it a boost into the next generation was the cartoon series. Yeah, you know, I mean that 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 kept it rolling. That, and well, and my opinion, my opinion here though, without that, without the Clone Wars series, I would have given I, up on. I don't it. think you get. I don't think you get the last two that we had or Rogue One. And the thing is, so to me, the problem I have also is uh, with those movies, especially if you're going to do a, a linked universe, unless unless you have someone telling you what direction is going. Yeah. I, you gotta have the same direct, or if not the same director, the same, same storyteller. Like, like you said, you you have to have somebody at the helm who can play the long game and who knows and, who cares about the to property say, too. This is the direction we're going. I mean, George George or, or Disney when they took over Star Wars, as much as tons of fans hated that they killed that expanded universe, it it was kind of smart of Disney to say this is no, this is what we're going to focus on, and they brought in little bits of that here and there for fans, but this is what we're going to do and well, but they also have Kathleen Kennedy, who I know has rubbed some folks the wrong way, but she still obviously passionately cares about Star Wars, protects it, but and it's not all being served as a guiding force. The last two movies, I've gone back and rewatched them, and you're right, they, dude. Don't don't tell me that the movies that made uh, over a billion dollars each and and have spawned like tons of new fans coming into Star Wars. Don't tell me that was a bad job. Just because it didn't work for you didn't mean it was a bad job. No, they're bad movies. I don't like them either, but that doesn't mean they're oh, they're, no, they're, no, they're, they're objectively their bad. No, they did their job. They did their job I watched though. the cartoon Rebels in that does their job. I enjoy the cartoon Rebels. Just like we hate the prequels, but prequels brought Actually, fans no, no, no. too. I, I gotta go back on that. Rewatch the prequels. I kinda like them. <laughs> like, and again, this is what I told you. If you watch Clone Wars, like what me and Fryho have done, if you watch all the cartoons, and then you go I back think, and I, watch the prequels, they could, they the could prequels of... make more sense now, because I've watched all the cartoons, I rewatch the prequels, and I'm like, oh! 
oh, that's what they were trying to explain. Makes sense. Oh, okay. But again, that was one movie that was, you did a two-hour movie that should have been like a four to five-hour movie because you need all this exposition and stuff. Now that I go back, I actually enjoyed the prequels. The Trinity still holds up. My, my, well, let's, we're getting on a wrong tangent. Let's get back to Universal. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that bad of a thing because Star Wars had to be rebuilt too. Star Wars lay fallow well, for over true. a decade. Okay. So, okay. So and the Universal, like Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. So when they go back, because you, and I, I agree with you, I don't think Frank's right. They're not going to leave that shit off the table. They're going to bring it back. I think they're going to give it some time, kind of like distance themselves from the Dracula movie and the Mummy movie and, and probably bring in some, their, their version of fresh young ideas and blood to kind of steer us in a new direction. Whenever I hear indefinite, that yeah, just, uh, yeah, that doesn't. Well, I, 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 I think the biggest mistake was they were getting all these already expensive actors, yeah, and they were banking on the actors bringing people into the seats and not the characters. People but they should didn't, go. They didn't fail on that in, because in China that is Tom Cruise's. Is but the I still think the Mummy did well. Because, I still think though. But in China though, you can. I mean, look at a fucking. Uh, uh, Pacific Rim. That there was no China. one famous in that movie, but China fucking loved it. Why? No, China hated that movie. Dude. No, no. no. The only reason why you're getting a Pacific Rim sequel is because of China. China. Dude, they fucking they love that movie, dude. They fuck. No, America didn't love that movie. Oh, no. China didn't like the Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. no. And you know, and so. My they, bad. They love monster movies. So you make a monster Stop. movie like that, it would do. I still think it would do huge in China, even if it didn't have Tom Hanks. Or Tom Hanks. I mean, uh, Tom Cruise. Why not you put He's Tom in Hanks in the next in. one? Tom Hanks is one of them but you make a story with a cool monster at a reasonable budget I think China would still gobble it up and and again now the market is where it has to hit big here and it has to hit big there to really be considered a hit well I think you know that's not true is if you if you make a lot of money in the states it's okay if you don't make as much money elsewhere because the the states still matter the most to people I still I think uh, people are just swinging for the bill now there's they all want to hit that billion dollar mark now. They, well they know see the thing of like with the China money China can make a Pacific Rim sequel happen but it's sort of like being big in Japan you know which we've talked about in the past if you're like a big musical artist in Japan then they don't figure you're going to play anywhere else in the world because they just have such specialized tastes and I think China's the same way there's movies that just don't do anywhere else and China can subsidize those movies and absorb those movies and make sure they turn a profit they can even get sequels green lit but nobody's trying to build franchises off of what China's going to buy well because like I just watched The Great Wall and I thought it was a good movie fun movie and it and it did horrible here yeah. yeah, but it did really good in China didn't it 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 did. Like it, it was China China doesn't care as much about representation because about, they're surrounded by Chinese people. It's about the Great Wall though. So <laughs> yeah. I mean you kind of figure that Yeah, well and, and everybody they know they're Chinese is Chinese, so like having one white guy hanging out with the rest of them isn't really that big of a deal. Where having a white guy star for Asian Americans is a, a huge yeah. deal. So uh but anyway, so do y'all have any specific ideas though in terms of like what character should they focus on? Should they even have heroes? What what you know what what I think any, we've like, kind of explained most of those. Pretty much covered all that then. I so, think I mm-hmm. think Honestly, if they were gonna if they're gonna reboot, I start with a Frankenstein movie, horror horror one, style. One of the big three. Yeah. yeah. You gotta come out with one of your known characters. I personally say rated I want a rated R movie, but you you know, you do a horror movie, a true horror movie. You, you don't have to hook the fucking little kids in yet, but just get that brand out there again. Like people care about wow, did you see that Frankenstein movie? Dude, that was freaking awesome. Because to me it seemed like people made Frankenstein movies and then they started going to the to the original, you know, let's do a Mary Shelley Frankenstein. 
sandwich. I, well, that was with De Niro, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. I don't. Yeah, it, was, it was boring. Yeah, that's the problem. Is you you have to make it somewhat exciting, but I, I think I think that's where you really have to play up the horror part of it. Like they're not just monsters; they're horror monsters. So. I, I agree that you have to play up the horror because you have to give them a different flavor. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the problems that DC's had with their superheroes. The superhero demand is satisfied by Marvel. You you have a uh, you know you're going to get a good superhero movie from Marvel where you don't get that from DC, and so you're directly competing with a, a competitor that's already you know, firmly entrenched with a strong a fan base. Product already, yeah. You're putting out superior product. So you definitely need to show, okay, we're doing something different. We're not just going to they do action even, movies without costumes. They wouldn't even have to go the movie route or the cartoon or any of the others we said. If they want to go with like a TV show, a miniseries on Netflix, Hulu, whatever. I'm not like, these, these, y'all got me hooked now that Penny Dreadful. I want to see that now yeah. that you're, you're giving it That's pretty good, good praise. And get, get some books out too. Do a book series. You, yeah. get, you can get a lot of material off of just getting some books out there and having somebody else do your world building for you. But what else do you do? T-shirts, posters? I mean, like... I, I think that you do T-shirts and posters when you've got an audience. You got to build audience. the audience first. I don't think they've done that well enough. I think there's some people you that are going to buy. Know, and just, just, just to those out there, I wore that T-shirt you bought me, the 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 uh, King Kong fighting the T-Rex at the little convention we went to. And at least three times that I can remember, I got stopped and people asked me, "Oh wow, did you get that at the Monster Con?" And I'm like, um, "No, my buddy bought it for me." Oh, do you know when the Monster Con's coming back? Because it was here and it was a good show. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like, no, I said my buddy. Understand, right? Yeah. I, I was not from around here. Yeah. Well, no, I was just, I was sitting, I'm like, so you already have a convention of monster movies that I've never heard of. And I'm, you know, on the enchilant of nerdum. Like, this is something I should, I should have heard of, but I've never heard of this. Why See, is this I, I've advertised? heard of monster con of stuff in New York and I, I've never heard of where I was anywhere near it. So, but I think universal should kind of, Hey, let's get some of these old, you know, well, here's my thing. And it goes back to Walmart. If you go to the men's section for $7, they have a billion different franchise T-shirts that are kind of odd and goofy. Yeah. Dude, I buy I buy T-shirts all the time, and even though I'm badass, and half <laughs> of them don't fit right after the first washing. Make three X longer, not wider. It was 25 years ago that my father found him. He was torn to pieces and half eaten. Whatever did it was big. Buckshot couldn't kill it. After that, my father went home and cast silver bullets. Wouldn't leave the house on a full moon from then on. Lo and behold, the prodigal son returns. Hello, father. You've come for the funeral. What happened? Your brother's body was found in a ditch. They've been torn to pieces. If there's anything you need, please let me know. I want to know what happened to him. Francis Abilene, Scotland Yard. I cannot stress enough the mortal peril you're in. What kind of animal could have done such a thing? You're risking your life. Darkness comes for you. He's been quite seriously injured. Thank you for staying with me. Now we know it's still out there. You were bitten by the beast. You bear his mark now. Do you believe in curses? <laughs> you have to leave. What are you afraid of? There are those who doubt the power. To change men into beasts. A beast has come among us. Terrible things, Lawrence. You've done terrible things. Be strong, sir. Be strong. They are what they say I am. 
I'm a monster. I will kill all of you! Let me help you. The third of the sort of like the big three, um, and you mentioned kind of sticking to the the romantic tropes, the rom- the gothic romance, even if it's not necessarily a period piece. Thinking about the Wolfman, which has always been one of my favorite, and I like I like that gothic trope of the the cursed man, like the the haunted man, like this sort of the duality and everything with that. But what I might do with that and make it a little bit different is just thinking about wolves by their nature are pack creatures. Maybe just giving it a different spin by not making the wolf man, but a family, like a kind of a, a with a an obvious alpha, but like a married couple with their you know two and a half children or something like that. And what if they all transform into into werewolves or something? Teen Wolf played straight. Kind of, yeah. Actually, didn't they? Did, did, did the MTV series do that? Basically, was Teen Wolf? I, I never watched it. Me neither. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> you did this to me. You and me, Scott, we're brothers now. The bite is a gift. I don't want it. You will, but you have to resist crossing a line. And you're gonna need me if you want to learn how to control it. I was actually thinking about like writing, like I had an idea for like a, a werewolf movie or something, and it was like structurally pacing wise, whatever. I almost kind of thought about it as. Basically, Jaws on land, like in the Southwest or something like that, like where, you know, we don't like see it or whatever. And it's, there's kind of just like this mystery and it ends up becoming just like um, it's it turns out it's like not obviously not a shark or werewolf, but it ends up being like a family of them that eventually like kind of lay siege to the uh, the, the sheriff's office, like the, the county jail or whatever. If you've got, you know, Frankenstein's monster versus dragon or I mean, if you're sticking if you're hewing closer to the traditional universal, then. Then your problem with that is I think the monster really only works as a – if you're that close to the universal Karloff version, then I don't know if the monster works as a protect- – he's more of a a sidekick, a weapon, a kind of bruiser figure. You need somebody else to command him. Well, see, and that's do you the do thing. that with Dracula or – Yeah, see, and, that, and it, then we're getting into uh, kind of a, a difficult spot because to some degree the universal monsters team-up movie has already been made 30 years mm-hmm. ago, Monster Squad. And, yes. and that's exactly the role that Frank <laughs> Sign plays. He's the muscle for the longest time, and then eventually he turns because the Goonies convince him to right. defend humanity instead of fighting against humanity to fight Dracula. I think that you need to start Frankenstein again, very much the, the the Hulk arc. You start him at that simple childlike place, but I think he eventually has to grow in intellect and become more of a, a fully formed figure of his own. Especially if you do the whole Captain America notion of him starting out in uh, Victorian England and then working his way up to the modern day. By the way, it was Frankenstein mob. I finally remembered. Uh, I do think you do eventually get to an uh, intelligent Frankenstein, and actually that can be part of what makes him sad, is that the more intelligent he becomes, the more he is can't be forgiven for the darker acts that he would potentially commit. But I do kind of think that if you're going to have a protagonist amongst the monsters, someone who's kind of working with humanity, it could be Frankenstein. But honestly, you could also have him be like doing the anti-redemption arc, where basically he gets more and more further adrift and becomes more and more of an antagonist 
antagonistic presence, the more intelligent and the more involved with the, the man, our world that, that he becomes. You know, the more corrupted he becomes because of his circumstances. I definitely see that happening, but I definitely I don't want to see him just consigned to being just the Karloff. I think you can start from. I mean, think about it. Uh, Universal also owns the Monsters, and mm-hmm. Herman Munster is this progression of Frankenstein, where he has qualities of the classic Frankenstein, but he walks and talks and acts like you know a suburban house dad. So you could still have that Frankenstein archetype develop and progress and not be stuck as you know we deserve you know we 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 belong dead you know he can be in that place to begin with but I think he has to progress from that place because I don't think that you can invest in him if he just stays in this barely sentient state so yeah that's that's one of those worries where you've got a lot of wiggle room I think that you do need to start him at a familiar place but it doesn't mean he has to stay in that place but as far as the Wolfman goes that's kind of tricky because again we, there are tons of werewolf movies nobody owns the concept of the werewolf mm-hmm. Universal owns the Wolf Man, and there is a, a somewhat of an iconic visual but something similar to that was attempted with the Benicio del Toro movie and I think that uh, of the three modern interpretations of uh, these classic characters that, that was the, the most dismal of the three I, I really was disappointed by Joe Jackson's Wolf Man I hated that one so much I was really dreading Captain America because it was the same director same here it was same just, here yeah, it was so yeah, awful it was, yeah I'll got you right yeah I remember hearing about that movie and basically like that was Benicio del Toro's like pet project he was working on that for so long he had like championed that thing and I remember watching I was like dude you are sleepwalking through this it looks like you don't care at all about this I was like, how could this be your pet project? And you look at this board by the material. Well, and it's funny, too, because he actually bears a superficial resemblance to Lon Chaney Jr. And I kind of think that may have been what he was going for. But, yeah, it was one of the least interesting acting choices he's ever made. Uh, And, yeah, it it was such a disappointing movie. And, again, they did that thing like they did with Wolf, where you end up with two people that should not be having a big, ridiculous, trampoline-involved fight where they're (laughs) jumping around and looking just ridiculous. Uh, And I think they even employed CGI for for the uh, Wolfman version and it was just awful it was so ridiculous and silly and stupid having you know these two wolves attacking one another but wolfman i do think is actually one of the tricky ones because wolfman was my favorite as a kid i actually uh, went to halloween one year as wolfman Mm -hmm. i I always liked the idea of just this feral creature but it's weird because wolfman doesn't have a novel you know he doesn't have like a source material where you go back and this is the wolfman you've got the movies and there are definitely elements from those movies that are very important that have become part of the culture the the silver the cane the poem the involvement of the gypsies but a lot of that stuff is tricky to do in modern day I, I, although I think that the Wolfman is the one character that you kind of maybe want to do as a modern story as a complete update you know letting that character wholly be a part of our modern society but I'm not sure necessarily what you would do with him in that context because these characters have to mean something you know they, they can't just be like hey this is a cool monster that I remember from when I was a kid hey I used to have these Remco toys that I would have fighting Mm -hmm. you know my gi joes and stuff and i I think there's this major disconnect where i I think as a a member of generation x i'm perhaps the last generation that actually watched the original universal movies on television and had those action figures and had that second and third hand familiarity with the characters because my parents and grandparents had seen those movies and and such i don't think that it's been passed on to the younger generations because they had so many more choices as far as what they were going to watch they weren't subjected Mm -hmm. to those movies the way we were and i don't think they have the connection and i'm wondering if by 
trying to do the Universal Monsters today, it's not unlike in the 90s when they were trying to do Shadow movies and Dick Tracy and yeah, even Flash Gordon back in the 80s. I'm not sure that there's a connection there. I, I almost feel like we're like more casual fans and the hardcore fans were older generations that have already died out or, or aren't really a target audience anymore. And I'm not sure the younger generation claims these monsters as their monsters. Uh, so much of the familiarity that uh, we have is from when they were doing beer commercials, you know, in the 80s and Monster <laughs> Squad. And it's like, I don't know that kids these days care about those 90s movies. I don't, I know they don't care about the old black and white movies. And I'm, I'm not sure what these characters are going to mean to them today. So it, it puts in the question, well, why are you going to bother to update the Wolfman if there isn't enough of a connection for, enough there for an audience to connect to? So the, just the proposal of a shared cinematic universe with Universal Monsters on its own, does that mean anything to you? What do you mean? Like, is it in any way a draw? We're going to do a shared cinematic universe with the Universal Monsters. Does that mean anything to you? Does it matter? Well, it actually, it can be a, a neat idea, but if you know how to play it well. You know, it's like you mentioned about, can it be something like Marvel? Well, with Marvel, they're heroes. They give a history to every single character to the point that you care about the character movie after movie it adds a little bit more to their personality like if uh, Dracula is fighting the Wolfman give me somebody to root for not just like a fucking action scene where all these two monsters are fighting without me going like oh you know come on Wolfman you can do it you know because I'm more involved like with this it's a character match, well what I was thinking about is the Zack Snyder murderverse the DC movie and how they're really dark and morally ambiguous and they're taking these bright and shining heroes like Superman and Batman and trying to take them to darker places well, and make them more like, compromised. It's just like, for example, and, and, it doesn't, and it doesn't work for them because they're bright and shining heroes. If you make them too dark, they stop being heroes. But if you're doing stories about monsters, you could actually take some of the types of Zack Snyder was doing. Hell, Zack Snyder himself could probably do a much better job doing these monster movies and telling those same kinds of stories about these compromised antagonists or protagonists than he could with the DC heroes. Well, it's because- just Thanos. I know he's the villain, but at the same time, it's like you're still questioning, is he right? This moral balance that to me is making me more involved into the story to think about something instead of just like once again bad, good, kind of moral ambiguity that is just making like holy shit maybe the mummy was right to kill all these Nazis when in the 1930s when they're still barely forming you know actually Michael Fassbender would be a pretty good Dracula oh yeah <laughs> uh, especially uh, like we've we've talked about how it'd be cool if they made Dracula the big bad the scary dude in the, the monsterverse and imagine him having a secret like uh, Lord Vader had in Rogue One where he just like you build up these guys like colonial marine type dudes maybe the rocks leading them maybe Hugh Jackman's one of them and he just like walks in there and just starts wiping them out like they're nothing how much respect would you suddenly have for Dracula if you built him up that way yeah I mean and, and that's and of course if it was a sex bomb like Fastbender you automatically have interest yeah. uh, that you're not going to get from Rando from fucking Van Helsing exactly and that's the beauty of this time that we are allowed to talk about subjects that before they were taboo. Now you can actually bring all these weird topics then people still kind of like in the balance are they so good or so bad? I don't know. I'm torn. You know, now you can actually exploit those topics because now well, we are allowed and, to. And that's just it too. In the context of monsters, in the context of horror, you've always been able to explore subjects that weren't forbidden elsewhere. From the very beginning, from all the earliest horror movies, you could always go places with horror because you're framing it in the context of what's wrong, what's evil, what's monstrous. But by going there, you're allowed to explore things you wouldn't have been able to in a normal, quote-unquote, movie. You have an opening for a fandom because you've talked about how you're experiencing superhero fatigue. They're not 
doing Harry Potter books anymore. They're not doing, not that you were a Twilight person, but they're not doing Twilight books anymore. They're still doing Harry Potter-ish movies. Blech. Yeah. That, and and by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but the new movie, it's struggling financially. It's being buoyed by international markets, but in the United States, it's not doing well at all. It's really like a non-issue already. I hate, I hate to see this, but I am glad because I am a huge fan of Harry Potter and I love the world that J.K. Rowling's created. The world was so detailed. This movie, oh my God, it's just like, they just, like the Mummy movie. One thing after another without giving me any any feel well, like but, but I care. it's worse because they're contradicting stuff that's already been established. Oh yeah. And, and they're not true to the spirit of the but, book. But, so but, they're, they're, they're maligning characters from the book. Although I did not like the movie. I did not hate it that I thought that I was going to hate it. I knew going in that it was bad. I knew that it was going to be fucked up. I read this article about how these movies are as George Lucas was like uh, one, two, and three. Right. That they try like they made all this mistakes in the continuation of the story. I love Harry Potter books. The movies piss me off so much because they changed story. They left out very important details and it's just created this thing that is not even Harry Potter. So to me, hating this Fantastic Beasts 1 and 2, it wasn't as much because there's no books about it. There's no book to screw up. Well, and that's the feeling of a lot of Star Wars fans have. It's a, it's a real war in that fandom because there are the people that love the direction of the new movies and, and love uh, Rey and all the new characters. And there's also a large amount of fandom that feels left behind and betrayed and they hate their direction. They hate that what's being done to the characters that they fall in love with. Star Trek in theatrically is not going anywhere. I don't know. I'm just getting tired of the same repetition over and over again. Give me something new. And so a shared horror universe could be something new, but you have to actually make it something you want to see, not just an abstract like, well, that'd be a nice idea if they could do anything with it, but then they shit the bed with it. You seem to be on the same page as, as the other guys. You want a hard R, actually scary thing. You know, and you were telling me before that you have some interest in having like the lesser monsters of the universal, you know, the, the more um, uh, friendly monsters going up against scarier stuff like Pennywise, Cthulhu. But uh, well, not, you know, not particularly those characters, but something like that. What about if it's like a bigger threat out there and because they have supernatural powers, they can help the humans and the humans can make a deal with them you know, to stop persecuting them or, or I don't know, you know, something more. It's like with the coming back to the Harry Potter one in book six when the prime minister of the Muggles is like, oh, for God's sake, you can do magic. You can defeat this guys. And then the prime minister, well, ex-prime minister replies like, yeah, but the problem is that they can do magic too. <laughs> you know, so it's like something like that for with, with the monsters. When the humans have no other way of actually making alliance with this monster people, because if not, they're all gonna perish. Start with the history of each monster, history of what the universe works like that. It's like, so the monsters are in exile because they're persecuting like the Hotel Transylvania mm -hmm. that they're all like hidden. The humans are trying to do all these bad things and they're ruining their whole world. We are stupid humans. We destroy the world. And then bring some more characters, like more evil characters from either out of space or demons or, or something that they can be more terrifying so this evil forces can fight this more evil forces create this whole universe of it that is infinite so you want a story bible you want world building they need to, to make that investment to make it a universe and not just a bunch of random action bullshit yeah. with the mummy they didn't throw a 
universe at you. They barely threw any characters at you. There wasn't any real world building. Well, exactly they, they, because they, they, had, they developed Prodigium, and there, there were a few people that were fighting a mummy, and that's all the world building they did. There wasn't enough. And that's there. what I'm saying. It's just Rome is not built in a day. You're supposed to invest into each movie has its own story, but make it deep, make it rich in history. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take years and years. But if you play well, it's just like the coming back again to Harry Potter. You know, it didn't start just in one book, created this whole thing. It took seven books to create this entire universe to make the story of. Takes George R. R. Martin. He mm-hmm. does the Game of Thrones book. Yes. He also had a book series called Wild Cards. It was sort of like a sci-fi X-Men sort of thing where people had power. He didn't write all the Wild Cards books. He basically came up with the premise of the universe and then he edited books that other people wrote that took place within that universe. What if you got a bunch of decent young adult writers, guys who maybe haven't got a lot of movies optioned or they had a movie option and it didn't pan out that great or something? Get a name like a Neil Gaiman where they would help to form the series Bible, maybe write part of a first book and then maybe have like a bunch of books in the middle that explore the world, explore the individual characters and then maybe have it build up toward an Avengers type situation where you have a final book where they bring all these elements together that are threaded out through other books that basically it's it's books by committee but the fact that you have a bunch of authors and uh, hopefully you'd be you be diverse with that style. too yeah. you'd have, you'd, and you, because it's a bunch of your books too you can have a variety of women you can have a variety of people of color you can make sure that there's a good representation and a wide variety of voices but they're all working to fulfill like this grander world building scheme and you don't have to wait years and years to actually have enough books to make it worthwhile to even start trying yeah. to do the movie well the main thing is if you want to do that the main thing is to pay attention to details do not contradict the universe from one book to or from what movie to the next movie you know mm-hmm. keep the same premises make rules yeah, you cannot well, you do you need this. to have an editor you need to have a story bible yeah you you want to make sure that you don't break this rule this is the history this is the story this is why the things happen and do not break those laws you can write whatever because it's your own personality but keep it with the rules there, of there's the gotta universe. be some suspension of disbelief there's got to be you've got to be, be able to believe that this universe has laws or else it falls apart because it, it becomes a fabrication it becomes yeah, a, do not make it inconsistent and in terms of ratings do you want an r-rated universe to me i will say yes if for some reason this movie is a pg-13 then it will lose the scariness of so if you want to do it a pg-13 it will be better if you do some kind of like a comedy stuff for which to me i'm not that interested in i mean to me as our movie or more like adult oriented will be better because it, you can explore more bizarre topics more like people you know what kids well, well it's like there's this joke uh, when they were both popular they were twilight people and then for grown-ups you had true blood and when true blood was good that's what you would be into that's the sort of thing you'd want from this universe is a more balls of the wall yeah uh, give me give me more like ethics problems you know shit up. yeah am i supposed to be okay with this the decision of this person make to kill this person or to do something evil because those topics is like you need to explore them if you want to make it more interested in my book if you want to keep it pg-13 man you fucking do fucking a comedy and just like the mummy in that the one that i was talking about earlier with that funny guy the blast from the past well it's like you want to make all that all ages merchandising money and stuff but the kids are eventually going to grow up you're better off with an r-rated horror universe than with nothing at all which is basically where they're at now yeah try to get everybody and you end up getting nobody or you can make it like the harry potter ones grow up with the kids yeah. <laughs> well see that, and that's what i was saying too is uh, i like the idea of basically doing universal monsters as a ripoff of harry potter but you're replacing mad 
have science with magic, although you can have some magic too. Well, you have to have magic. But yeah, I mean, make it like, you know, that's one of the good things about Harry Potter. Like the first book, it was very innocent and they didn't go into too much depth of a topic. And then as the books progresses, they go into the more dark, you know, more like fucked up shit that is happening in the world that is not black and white and pink. They go like, there's a lot of more complex topics. You can do something like that if you're going to do it throughout many years. You know, you can start with like the most innocent part of it and then just create this like as more you progress the more you fucked up it's just like us you know when we're little we think that everything is you know roses and rainbows and unicorns then when you get into like the older age you're like oh yes the world is fucked up Again, going back to the Universal Studios thing. The big draw there is Harry Potter. Everything's about the fucking Harry Potter. They, they have a store where you go that's like, I guess, from the movies where you would buy a school uniform. They got another store you go to and you buy your wand. You got another store and that's where you do your banking. You got another store and that's where you buy your butterbeer. You know, you go to another store and that's where you get... I'm the, just imagining Frank walking through there and there's all these little potheads really loving this and he's just fucking has this vile look in his eyes of like, I'm like how, ogre, clo- how close am I to that? I'm like Ogre from Original <laughs> Nerds. I'm just like nerds, <laughs> nerds. In, that, in that world he's the ogre ogre <laughs> from revenge of the nerds 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 <laughs> he's an alpha alpha the alpha beta yeah you were the alpha I'm, beta. Alpha, I'm an alpha nerd bully yes oh my um, god dude but look fucking such an elitist but part of the reason why people fucking love that shit so much and even i get into it a little bit because here's the thing no no i don't but uh, i'm gonna explain this he had a butter beer i had a butter it's good when it's no, warm. No, no, no. He'll do that because it's fucking weird. And if you've ever eaten dinner with this son of a bitch and you go to a seafood restaurant and they're like, we have trout, we have bass. He goes, do you got any squid? How about some uh, shark? Do you have any large octopus? Like he's going to find the weirdest shit on the menu. Continue. I want to try something new. Butterbeer should only be drunk hot, by the way. That's the only way to drink butterbeer. I like that cold. Don't listen to him. Seriously? No, hot, man. It's fantastic. Oh, it's, the, it doesn't taste right unless it's hot. What does hot. it taste like? Butter. It's, it's like a buttery cream soda. Dude? It's like cream soda. It's fantastic. But it tastes like butter. It's when it's thicker. hot, that butter seeps into it, and it's got this great creamy quality to it. It's great on a cold night. Anyhow, I had like a smoothie. It was like a smoothie of butterbeer. I hadn't tried the smoothie version. That's true. And getting back, when I went, I took my kids, and we went for a day, and I was so excited that I would get to pick up all this Universal Monsters. That you could not fucking find. Nothing. Like, you think... I like, tried to find Kong stuff for, dude, for Fix It, and I couldn't have, find hardly anything worth really? a damn. I was yeah. like thinking, just the regular stuff, like, oh, I want to get lapel pins, yeah. stuff like that. Nothing. Really? They had one little store. Mm-hmm. And they had one show where they showed showed you how where the makeup moves. works. Yeah, the yeah. makeup works. That's it. So they're trying to create a franchise of something they don't even with promote. The, do they have their park. own? Yeah, because park. they've got the Men in Black thing. They've got the fucking Harry Simpsons. Potter. Well, again, like the, you go to that cafe and you can buy a monster dog, which is like a foot long dog, right? Yeah. But there's nothing extra to it. You're just sitting in a restaurant that's decorated nicely, but there's nothing extra to it. So, where uh, if I go if I go to the, to Springfield and I go to a crusty burger, not only am I eating a crusty burger, burger with a little tiny pickle on top of it and everything just like in the cartoon but it's got a wrapper that says crusty burger on it and a tray that says crusty burger I, and you and then i go and i get the uh what is it the the drink that they have the the branded drink the crusty 
burger. Beer? Duff beer? Well, you get a Duff beer, too. Yeah, but you get a Duff beer, but they also have some kind of soda that's crusty, like brand of soda. And uh, you go to Rusty all these... Crusty I don't yeah. know. And I'm, and I'm eating at Moe's Tavern, you know? It's like, it's this whole immersive experience. But then with the Universal Monsters, it's just a restaurant with a bunch of monster I just, stuff I up. I picture Frank walking in and go, um, excuse me, um, I've ordered the Monster Dog. Shouldn't it have fur or scales or... Uh, something. You know, some, but there's nothing special about it. The invisible... It's shouldn't just the invisible three-eyed fish sushi? <laughs> Literally, uh, in the entire restaurant, the most bland thing was the Monster Cafe because there was nothing special about anybody. It was just a burgers. It was hot dogs. It was nachos. See, you know what? There was nothing monster about any of that if shit. If I was like, going to be an investor, I would have gone to that theme park and was, I saw that. Like, I would have been like, they don't care enough about these characters to, to promote them within their own un- in the, their own theme park and yet they want to put $250 million behind a, yeah. a movie. That's ludicrous right there. Yeah, I mean, they have a, they had a mummy ride and it literally dated back to like the second mummy, mummy movie and it lasted like 90 seconds. It was a good ride for 90 seconds. Yeah, the flames, it was hot in there too. It was cool to eat a crusty burger with crusty wrapper and drink a buzz soda at the same time. But the thing that really lit her up was Harry Potter because when you walk into the Wizarding World, everything is there. The landmarks are there. The tchotchkes are there. You could buy a wand and then have that wand, use that wand to cast spells and uh, that like. I think you need to create a universal monsters world that can be lived in in the same way that Harry Potter is. Yeah, it'd be cooler if you could go to Dracula's castle and Frankenstein's castle and the mummy's tomb and actually explore these environments. We tried to do that because we went to that little undersea kingdom that they had, but those were old and they were cheesy and you know they, they weren't well kept up. Yeah, just build it up. Like the ride of the mummy. That was really cool. Give me a world. Give me something that I can actually feel that I'm immersed into that universe like Harry Potter. Like seriously, when, when you enter to the Harry Potter world, I mean, it's kind of like give you chills because it's like, oh my God. You know, it's like, well, it's like you actually get to walk through the platform through mirrors you can see yourself going through that one platform to get to the train to get yeah to... and then you can play with the ones no pun intended mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can you go play with that the... wall to get into diagon alley like you mentioned dracula's castle that would be pretty cool because who doesn't like going into a fucking scary castle yeah it'd be really cool like you put on the 3d glasses and the things are lunging at you in the 3d since they're not physically there they could really come at you and freak you out potentially you yeah know? so you, you don't play with that and of course you could get strapped into things and screw with gravity, drop you down holes, all kinds of cool stuff they could do where you've got these shared universe aspects and you've got these locations that are that you can reuse over and over again that draw you into it and make you a part of the story in a way that I don't think you can even do with the Marvel characters because ultimately Marvel exists to sell these action figures and these t-shirts and I think that they're somewhat limited in scope. I don't, I can't uh, like with a Quentin movie go buy a pack of uh, the gum or the, I can't get the Red Apple cigarettes or the Blackjack mm-hmm. gum or you know whatever was in those universes but if you can take the universal monsters and give them those kind of things that like stimulate your brain where it makes you part of that world and you can create these sets that you reuse over and over again the way they do with the Harry Potter movies where you've got a group of actors that are in England that are great actors and they're all part of the same community they all know each other and they all appear in the same films if you can do that if you could go to someplace like England and create that atmosphere and do it with universal monsters and use character actors that you automatically have an affection for because you've seen them and stuff but they don't cost a ton of money if you get like a Christopher Walken or a Stephen Toblowski or somebody you're going to spot that guy and go, oh, yeah, I love that person. Oh, there's Judy Greer. You know, I want to see what's going to happen to her. Oh, no, they killed Judy Greer. You know, I think it invests you in a way that's a shorthand uh, without having to deal with the gigantic machine that is something like Marvel. And I think it's something more manageable where you can just draw an actor here and there. You can just have these characters appear here and there without it being part of like this grand tapestry. But it becomes a tapestry by virtue of just producing enough material by making enough 40, 60, 70 million dollar movies that are all slightly connected to one another in much the same way that the Marvel TV shows are. They don't cost a ton of money. 
money, but you can tell a broader story and you know they're part of a bigger world. And that's sometimes enough to carry you through so long as the actual story being told at its core is good. You just need to do more Jessica Joneses and less Iron Fists. I'm glad you brought that up because that's segue in the last thing before I've got to go. What do you think about if Universal kind of invested in a cross-platform or a multimedia type of thing of doing this this shared universe existing in films and television? And I'm probably thinking particularly a streaming service like a Netflix or a Hulu or something like that because we talked about Frankenstein and you mentioned wanting to start the monster at the classic Karloff thing but eventually progress him to more of an intelligent and type of sinister figure. How do you get him to that point? Well, I mean, that's quite an arc. Are you doing that across the whole movie? I mean, what if you gave him 10 episodes to do that? Would that be a better vehicle to tell that particular story? Doing these in film and a streaming television or just television or just film? What do you think are the, I, the benefits? In the I, I absolutely think the multi-platforming is the way to go. I think that people have seemed to have forgotten that while Superman came out of the comic books, he went from the comic books to the radio show to the movie serials to the television show. Superman has often had more success in television than he ever had in movies. When he's stumbling throughout the last 20 years worth of movies, 30 years worth of movies, he still had Smallville. He still had Supergirl. We have all these uh, elements that are related to Superman that are still thriving on television uh, in a way they're not really working as well with the movies. Flash is not a character that has broken through in the cinema yet, but he's got a pretty decent legacy, especially in modern context on television. Mm-hmm. I, I think you absolutely would be a great idea to do television. In fact, uh, I was digging around through the Universal properties and when I was talking about maybe trying to do an anthology film or something, you know, I'd love to do see a movie where there's a segment that takes place in the Victorian era or, or maybe going into the early 20th century and you just happen to have Winona Ryder show up as an older Mina Harker. You <laughs> maybe have some, you know, maybe even Del Toro could show up at some point. Show that in very small, subtle ways that these movies are still connected to all the Universal monsters. But also what I thought about is if you were to do a television show, uh, what if you have, say, I don't know, Brian Cranston play Carl Kolshak in a Night Stalker revival where he's meeting like the peripheral characters in the dark universe where here's a vampire over here, here's these, you know, werewolves over here, and he knows that there's something that's creating these things. He's noticing that these things are getting turning up more and more, and you basically use something like a Night Stalker TV show to feed into the cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. But you've got to have something that brings all the kids to the table. What Marvel did that was so intelligent that people don't seem to understand is it didn't start with Iron Man in 2008. It started with the 60s cartoons. You know, Marvel did pump about cartoons for years and years. They were pioneers at live action television in trying to do stuff that more closely resembled the comic books with the Lou Ferrigno show, with the Spider-Man show, video games, board games, role-playing games, you know, action figures. They made sure that they had a firm bed of fandom before they ever even leapt into the movies. You can definitely have happy accidents like with Blade where he comes out of nowhere, but really, if you want to have the kind of spectacular effect that Marvel had, you've got to have the ground game and you need to be in all these different platforms. Where's our Universal uh, Monsters video games and where's our cartoons and where's our our Hulu series? You know, uh, that's something they could and should do and I think that they've actually given that stuff to, again, the Penny Dreadfuls, the True Bloods of the world where they've let their characters be used and identified with other companies' wares. I think Universal needs to own their monsters and own the fact that they have the iconic images of the monsters dating back decades and one of the easiest ways to use that is to multi-platform to show we can we've got the resources to draw from to create these new things out of this old material that resonates across generations yeah well and i mean think about merchandising and stuff when when marvel has a new movie coming out they sell new shit at disney world and they give out like
like free shit at Disney World. I mean, when I was telling Frank, you got a, you got a marketing department well, right there. I told Frank that I went at to Universal Walmart Studios. You're getting like, and I have no idea the numbers. I mean, but let's just say you got a million. No, that's way too many. Okay, let's say you have a hundred thousand coming in on a daily basis. A free poster. The Universal monsters drawn all cool. Dark Universe is coming, yeah. and you, you hand that promote it for a few months. I mean, come on, you got that's a free fan base. That's mm-hmm. a free. I mean, because dude, a lot of movies are word of mouth. Yeah. yeah. When I was hey, Frank, you know, I went, yeah, to, I went to Walmart. Back to what you said, if an investor comes in and sees they're not even doing that, why would I? And then it? they go into the Kmart cafe with a poster of Frankenstein and says, "This is your Universal Monsters." It's hard to not be in that environment and not at least want to know which house you'd want to be in at Harry Potter. I'm a Ravenclaw, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, now that doesn't mean I want to buy the merchant shit, but but it is a, a definitely an immersive experience. My when daughter's you're, a Hufflepuff. <laughs> but, but when you're actually in Diagon Alley and they're, you're making the spiders move or the skeletons move using the wand that you bought at the store, you can see the synergy. It's a brilliant merchandising concept, the way they handle Harry Potter. But what's stupid about it is you're doing all this incredible stuff with Harry Potter, which does have a huge fan base, mind. Oh, yeah. People from all over the world are going to Universal to see Harry Potter, not for anybody thing else but you Although, see did you ride the transformers ride i didn't like it that much you're fucking kidding me. no I, I wasn't impressed with the transformers ride at all I although not, i admit that that was the, one of the only rides where you're toward the back of the vessel I, I, hate, the transformers. I hate i hate 3d rides and i'm not a transformers fan yeah. my son is the transformers fan that's my boy but try to yeah, take yeah, uncle fix fantastic i like I, I yelled a few times because i thought i was gonna fall down into it <laughs> i want to go to universal park now like i want to go to there just because i want to go to the harry Potter. I like it's Harry Potter. It's awesome. Movies. It is yeah. awesome. The Harry Potter rides are pretty much the best. Uh, the, the single best Dude, ride. Just one into the stores. I yeah. Mean, uh, I'm asking this. How expensive it, is this stuff there? You can vary. It's, yeah. It's, wow. So like the they make, fucking, like they make the, so much money off Paquita. We've got so much shit. You know, we had to get a Skyver, Skybox, whatever the hell they call the thing where it's like a special box of all the different treats and she's got a mechanical ear. She bought an entire outfit. You know, gloves, I don't want to know. You could, night. you could go through and not spend and spend a lot of money and just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, just so walk in the street. So they made it so visually it's stimulating. It feels like even you're... if you don't buy something from the store, you're still in the store. You can pull the shit off the shelves and look at it and shit. You know, it's like they, you're really there. You feel like you're really there. And again, because they have such a variety of unique environs, how big is that alleyway? Diagon oh, Alley's pretty big. big. And then you can take a train to Hogwarts. Oh wow! Uh, and, how big and, is Hogwarts? Well, there, there are two distinct locations within the park. You have to take a train to get from one to the other. Yeah, we didn't go and what's cool about the train is that they take it from the movies where they put like a fog over the windows so you can see the silhouettes of Harry and Ron. Yeah. Like the, the frogs get loose and they're climbing on shit. You look out your window and you see different environments from Harry Potter. The uh, the big giant guy rides on a broom and follows you around and shit. Just all kinds of goofy stuff like that. So the point is it's an extremely immersive experience. So why aren't you doing that with your own like Universal Monsters? Yeah. Because they haven't built it up to do that. Well, they used but, to. I had a friend that used to go to Universal Park for Halloween every year and he used to tell me how that was the time to go the whole park turns into a giant uh, haunted house the entire park and he said like he would tell me stories of like you know there'd be guys going to the restroom and all of a sudden one of the stalls would be kicked open and his fucking leather face run a chainsaw and dudes are running out of the bathroom they would do shit like that like they, scare people they still, still do that uh, I was watching Face Off uh-huh. where they do the makeup 
great show if you haven't watched it. And they still do the Halloween. The But to my knowledge was Universal, they even had their monsters like the Wolfman running around. Yeah, no, they have and tons so, of people in character. And see, that to me, it sucks because it's only, what, that one month out of the year that they're going to do that? I think they only do it a weekend. Oh, I don't really? I don't think it's all month. I think oh, it's like, that's even like worse. One, one week. Like, if you're going to build like, up your brand... Like you're saying, the Harry Potter was a smart one where the brand, they're continuing the brand. So you go from the books to the movies, and now you have this universe. Dude, they must be raking in that movie money still mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. and they, they, Well, and now they have the new the new Potter yeah, movie. Yeah, I don't know how much. I, I saw like a couple or three people doing the period dress. Everybody else was running around like they were attending Hogwarts. Right. So I, I think that they have a small following of people that are probably more interested in dressing like flappers than they are in the actual well, movies. Well, the flapper, I think that one is going to be more. Well, no, I think. Yeah. The new movies are going to rake in just as much as the old. The first one was okay, weak, but, but they're, they're not heard, as well received by anybody. Well, no, the first one was okay. I've, now, what I've heard of the next few coming out, it sounds actually kind of interesting. So I'm actually more. You didn't yeah. like Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I love period movies. So. Yeah. but it's universal. My thinking is, you got your houses right. You got your werewolf house. You got your Frankenstein house. You got your Dracula house. And one of the things that was interesting and a real eye opener for Paquita was she didn't realize that so many people were going to be in a Slytherin. Slytherin easily dominated as among the, the people that were dressing up to come to this thing and I explained to her no it's obvious everybody who's a good guy is going to be at one of the other houses all the bad guys are going to be in Slytherin anybody who wants to be like an anti-hero or dark and also one of the most popular characters in Harry Potter is Severus Snape Snape. and so he is like the only true anti-hero of Harry Potter because you don't know what side he's on throughout most of the books throughout most of the movies so if you want an actual anti-hero he's the only one everybody else is either pure good or pure evil so of course Slytherin would be highly represented but imagine if you took that Slytherin group and you're separate amongst well here's the werewolf guys here's the vampire guys here's the mummy guys you give them different things to get into you talked about how much you like Universal Monsters because of the mad science aspect what got me is while we're walking around through all these stores it's like M&M's they're supposed to have special properties and shit like that imagine if you're actually selling things like chemistry sets or those remember the anatomical models you used to be able to buy where yeah. you would see like the layers of yeah. the human body stuff imagine if you were basically selling kids science products yeah. that taught them things that involve stem fields but you dress it up with the monster shit and so you're actually giving them something educational and you're hooking the type of people that would be into the sciences those through the monster shit. Chemistry sets. Remember you used to make cotton candy? And right, like right. That? Yeah. yeah. You used to have those as a kid. They got away from a lot of that because they were messy and sometimes they were extremely dangerous. You could make explosives with that shit sometimes. <laughs> but the concept is the same. Instead of having this shit be stuff that's at fries, buried into some educational thing, you throw Frankenstein's on, on top of it and then you get the kids hooked and, into the science. But they had stuff like, like, I remember growing up, remember there was like a, this place set where you would have, build a monster, you would put his inner and mm-hmm. you put this gooey shit in them yeah. and you would remove it. They had these cool... Si- I, I remember you remember these toys. Yeah. They had these toys where you bought this plastic monster. It was a skeletal and you bought this clay stuff and you would cover him and you would you could shape whatever creature you wanted to and then you would drop him in this vat of... Like you would fill it with water and you were supposed to put this stuff in there and it would turn into some kind of like an acid and you would drop the, watch, the monster in there and you would slowly see like the skin peeling off its bones and then of course you could take that clay... It basically was just Play-Doh. Squeeze out the water, put it away. But it was... To me, it was such that I think that's what turned me on to the science part. Was these were toys that my mom and dad bought me that were based somewhat in science, but it was still monster related. And I really like like those toys. I, I'm gonna actually look them up now. Vividly remember playing with them a lot. I enjoyed playing with those more than GI Joe. Sometimes this this is one of those properties where you know you always had you always hear people talking about oh, I do this differently and do better or whatever, even though you have no experience. I literally think that us three could run it just 
as well as it's being run. Right, better. If, if they aren't willing to give out a free poster, right? What are you doing? Yeah. You, you, well, you have a theme park that's all about an immersive experience, and you're not making that immersive experience something that you own and can do something with. They, they need and to, build a fan base out well, of. If they, if they can face the fact that hey, we do have household names, but we don't have the Marvel or yeah. the Disney. Well, no, I think we where's just, the ground we game? We have to build it. Well, no, they used an old they, movie like model. You said they have to play a long game. You you can't just jump in. I mean, but, and, and they, I, personally, I think that's where DC went a little wrong. They didn't take their time, and mm-hmm. they, they just I've been saying that since day one. But I think what it is is they used an old movie model of we're going to make this movie, and then we're going to make a sequel to it. And like instead of doing what Marvel did, where they did one link to the next one, link to the next one, link to the next, to the point where they don't even do linkage anymore. They're like, oh, it's already implied. Like when you watch this, it's already implied. That it's part of the universe. Yeah, we don't we don't even have to explain anymore. It's part of the brand now. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, if you, you go see, it. you go see uh, Ragnarok. It has to do with all the Marvel movies, so don't worry about it. Where these movies had like you know the long game, but they had they didn't start the building blocks of it. They well, thought, oh, we're doing, we're just gonna say they're linked, and people are gonna go with it because they've. I think they were playing on the fact that Marvel did it. So if we say it, we're doing it, just it's implied already. So come watch our movies because they're all linked. But again, like y'all said, no one gave a shit. No one cared about the mom. Anti-socialites responsible for encouraging this sordid endeavor include the 108th Sage, Ali Bats, Anime Freaks, Anime Nostalgia, Dr. Andrew, Batman and Popular Culture Conference at Bowling Green State University, Big Geezy 77, Cable Guide, Chris at Bat Books for Beginners, Coffee and Comics, Comics in the Golden Age, Dan O. French, Fishbonius Sound Design, Dabesk, Derek William Crabb, Dr. G, The Nerdologist, Fanholes Podcast, Gregory Litchfield, Ebtsum, Gene Hendricks, The Hammer Strikes, Random Geeky Stuff, History of Comics on Film, Into the Weird, It's Plastic Man, Jeffrey Brown, Julie Jugain, Justice's First Dawn, Keith G. Baker, Leah Scott Price, Max Romero, Miniloy, Morbid Market, Adele Abner Dracula, Professor Frenzy, Rad Adventures, Randy Caldwell, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Fanos Podcast, Richard G, Ryan Daly, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Siskoid, Tim Price, Tiny Toy Robot Z. Tracker Talk, Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace Podcast, and Zach Sally. Yeah, you're way too wired. Damn donuts. <laughs> you're way too wired. What up? <laughs>